Welcome back, everybody. This is episode five of the Tucson Hockey Podcast, and our guest today is Tom Herman. He's the youth hockey director for the El Paso Rhinos, also helps coach the El Paso Rhinos junior team, who is in the Western States League, but is about to make a jump to the NAHL. And just a, a good friend of the program, someone we know well from our youth experience here. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ron. So uh, first things first, let's not bury the lead. You guys were the recent winner of the national contest for Craft Hockeyville, where you received $150,000 in rink upgrades. Uh, talk a little bit about the process there, uh, what you see now in terms of the construction, how it's manifested, and really the excitement of your program and maybe even some of the particulars of where that money went. Yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty amazing, the, the amount of support from you know, not only the local El Paso community and, and the, the Rhino family, you know, from all the junior players or even the youth kids that have moved away and stuff, but even from, you know, your guys' association in Tucson. And uh, I know Odessa was reaching out. All of Texas hockey was supporting us. And um, it was just great to see. And, and it was really something that we started pushing this year to, to try to make the final four. And then obviously with everything getting cut short, you know, craft hockeyville was suspended too. So it was right, right around the time where we were really getting uh, ready to do like a fan voting festival. If we got selected for the final four, it got paused and we weren't sure if it was going to happen again. And then uh, in August it, it uh, got ramped back up and we we're like, okay, you know, let's, let's see who makes the, the final four. And, you know, that was just exciting in itself. And then, you know, it's kind of one of those competitive things where, you know, if you're going to be part of the final four, it's almost like a tournament. It's like, well, we, we're here. We might as well win the thing. And um, again, just the, the support from all these different people everywhere. And, uh, you know, then when Gary Bettman read the name, you know, it was just, it was kind of like the coolest thing ever. You know, like I was never drafted in hockey or anything like that, but I could only imagine, you know, that would be the only hockey comparison I think I could could compare it to um you know and, and again it just it brought everyone together so much it was uh just such a cool experience and i'm sure a big lift to everybody not only you guys in the hockey community but the entire el paso community as well at a time when everyone could use a lift like that exactly you know is it, it was um you know it, with things going on right now you know it, it whatever you watch or whatever you look at, it's kind of like negative. And, and this was one of those positive things that everyone could rally around. And, um, you know, what, what was crazy was the rhinos, uh, back at last September, they, they had an exhibition game, uh, or series scheduled against Mexico. Um, and then, uh, you know, everything happened last August in El Paso and, so NBC kind of NBC Sports got a hold of that and, and realized like you know what what a neat thing that El Paso and Mexico are going to play against each other and they came down to do a feature just on the series and and, and healing and bringing the two sides together and, and so forth and um, they, their staff was just incredible and, and Anson Carter uh, actually told my my brother and, and a couple of the other people here they're like you know what you guys would be a great rank to uh, go for craft hockey though. You know, you guys should really pursue it. And 
again, we've always heard about craft hockey bill. We just never thought it was something that we would be able to do just being, you know, far West Texas in the middle of nowhere. Nobody thinks as as a hockey place or anything like that. And after he said that, you know, it's, it's Anson Carter, you know, like dancing Anson, like everyone's seen him play and you see him on NBC sports. And, you know, we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, you know what, if, if he thinks we, we should do it, we should do it. And that's when it, that's when it all started. And, um, you know, everyone here on staff, you know, really pulled together and, and really put a, together a, a good game plan. And again, we're just so fortunate to win. Well, and with your program, especially, it's not as if you had to put on a facade. You guys are a tremendous presence in the community. You have a very passionate fan base. You have a junior team that fills the building. You have a junior team that gives back to the community. You have your youth players that give back to the community. So it, to, from what I saw in looking at the Craft Hockeyville and looking at all the things you posted, that was just your day-to-day stuff. You didn't have to go reaching for any of that to show what your program was. No, and so this will be our 15th year with the, the junior team. Um, and that was one of the main things when the junior team started was community involvement. Uh, both my brother, actually both uh, both my brother, two brothers, uh, and I played junior hockey in Canada. And, and the coaches that we always had and the programs we played for, it was always, you know, very community-based. You're helping out with the Minor Hockey Association. You were going to schools, you know, just little things, you know. And uh, that was that was a big thing that we wanted to make sure um, that the Rhinos were doing here. Uh, not only that, when when you're again not in a or when you're in a non-traditional hockey market, you got to get creative to get new people um, in the stands. You got to get new people in the program, and you know what better way is, is to be out in the community helping um so that that was a big big thing and then obviously putting a winning product on the ice helps a lot more too right so um those were kind of the two big big keys you know have a winning program so there's fans in the stands and then obviously having a a real positive impact um on the community uh just to help grow the youth program um because in all honesty, the youth program became uh, came before the Rhinos, and and the reason we brought the Rhinos in was to you know really benefit the youth, like give them that path of, for hockey. So um, it kind of works hand in hand. And let's talk a little bit about the actual brick and mortar aspect of it. What have you seen around the building? And I guess I'll set it up first by saying a lot of our players have, our older players have come out and played in El Paso. You guys are always very gracious to us and have hosted us over the years. We're very thankful for that. And when, when it's, it's a corny joke, when you say barn, your guys sheet is a literal barn, but I'll tell you what, it is a unique atmosphere there because of that. And I remember the first time I brought teams out there when we played and then stuck around for the junior game that night with the game day ops that you put on there which is tremendous. And the crowd was great. The game was great. And then the post-game public skate was another thing that I really enjoyed and that you could tell that everyone that was there, both our Tucson hockey kids, your El Paso kids, skating with the junior team, it was a wonderful atmosphere and really unique. So now that I've kind of prefaced what it's like, talk about what your building was and what you've seen with the improvements that are coming with the Hockeyville grant. Yeah, so... um 
originally the hockey program started in the, the Coliseum where when the buzzards were around. And after the buzzards left, um, you know, the Coliseum needed to have a new tenant more or less. And, and you know, so they're bringing in a lot more concerts, a lot more circuses and, and stuff like that. And, and just to schedule ice, you, you, you guys know it in Tucson, like you're kind of, you know, week to week, month to month for a schedule. And, and there is an empty building in the same parking lot and it's the equestrian center. And yeah, a literal horse cattle barn and, uh, you know, kind of measured it out. Ice, ice surface would fit, you know, and, and um, everything worked out to, to move in there. And yeah, so we took a, took a, a barn and, and converted it into a rink and, you know, over the years, you know, we've added a lot of things, um, you know, dressing rooms and, and such. And um, now with the the craft hockey bill, you know, we're able to repair the roof because, um, you know, sometimes when it was raining or the sun was shining, you, you could definitely tell inside. And um, so just just that aspect is going to help out a, a, a ton. And then, you know, we're redoing the, the lighting redoing the bathrooms, redoing the, the front entrance way to add a breezeway, um, you know, because again, El Paso and Tucson are so much alike where, you know, you might have a day in December that's, you know, 70, 80 degrees and, and, you know, heat's never your friend um, when you're trying to run an ice rink. And when you have sets of doors that open straight into the ice, uh, yeah, you're not, you're not going to keep ice too long. So, um, yeah, the construction's coming along. It, it's looking good. We're excited. Um, and, uh, you know, people, people will definitely notice a difference when they get here. It's just a wonderful atmosphere. We actually had a, fr- a friend of ours that used to play in the leagues with us that uh, used to play out there. And he, he always talked about how much fun he had at the junior games and the atmosphere there. And we got to see it firsthand. And we love coming out whenever we can. And uh, like I said at the outset, you guys are – the junior team is going to jump into the North American league uh, starting next season, right? 2021, 22. Yeah. So it was a pretty big jump. Um, again, you know, 2020, a bunch of curveballs, right? So uh, this year we'll have an NA three team uh, playing in the three HL. So uh, kind of move the rhinos from the WSHL to the three HL, uh, which is a direct feeder into the North American league. So uh you know, come 21, 22, we're housing two junior teams under one roof. Uh, so it's It's exciting. You know, that the three HL is going to be a, a great experience for our, for our guys. And then, you know, um, and then having the North American league team coming in the next season, you know, it's going to be a lot of old rivalries that were uh, back in the day when, when the buzzards did play in the semi pro league, you know, you're going to have Amarillo, you're going to have Odessa, New Mexico, um, Corpus Christi, Shreveport, like all those teams that, that had those semi-pro teams. Now they're, they're all in the North American League. So it's it's going to be pretty neat to, to have all those rivalries back that people to this day talk about. That, that was before my time here. Uh, that's when my brother came down here. Um, it was in its heyday and, and stuff like that. So, you know, all our Rhino faithful are, are pretty pumped just to have, have all that uh, – excitement uh back uh coming up here so it'll be it'll be pretty neat and and again the small world of hockey the amarillo nahl coach is a guy named rocky russo who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago who i've known my entire life 
and that's just how it goes in the hockey world. And now, you know, everyone's kind of, uh, we've relocated to the Southwest and have something to do with hockey out here and youth hockey. And, uh, you know, the term non-traditional hockey market gets talked about a lot, especially when you have a Stanley Cup between Tampa and Dallas. But, <laughs> you know, to me, it's just kids that haven't had enough exposure to hockey yet, because as, as, as I talked about with Rocky and about how we grew up in a football area and much the same in El Paso, Texas and in Amarillo and Texas in general is, you know, hockey is really a great sport for every kid for different reasons than say the normal experience you get from playing football or baseball or soccer or basketball, where you play with the kids you go to school with, you play with the kids in your tight geographic area. When you're talking about a place like Amarillo, El Paso, Tucson, that have some sprawl to it, you're playing for that entire community and your program like ours, you wear El Paso on your chest. We wear Tucson on our chest. We, we try and provide hockey to everybody. And again, same thing that goes with Amarillo and the Junior Bulls program. So it's really good to see hockey being more available everywhere and to see something like Craft Hockeyville reward you guys for all the great work you've done and give you the Craft Hockeyville grant, which I know you're going to put to great use. Yeah, and that's one thing about, you know, originally I'm from Canada, right? So you, you grow up, you play hockey, you know, or at least you're skating or doing some sort of winter sport because, you know, winters are long and you got to figure out what you're going to do. And, you know, when I moved down here over 12 years ago now, it was, you know, just so weird to me that not everyone played hockey. You know, and, and of course it made sense, don't get me wrong, but it was just kind of weird that, you know, people didn't know hockey and people didn't want to try hockey and, and things like that. And and when, you know, you would take a, a, a quote unquote athletic 12 year old kid, like a stud, you know, baseball or football player or whatever, like, yeah, yeah, my, my kid's an all-star athlete. They're like, well, come play hockey, you know? And you could really tell like what kids are competitive when they're, you know, nine, 10 years old and you throw them on ice and they've never done it. And they're watching, you know, maybe even younger kids skate circles around them and stuff. And they're like, man, I, I can run past any other person and I can do all these other things. Why can't I skate? And then that little fire starts to burn and they're like, I'm going to do this. And then they realize how fast they can go on skates compared to, you know, running in cleats or shoes or whatever. And they're like, this is, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, just the, the engaging aspect of hockey, like you are always engaged. Like when you're playing a game, you're always in, engaged. And then when you're on the bench, you know, you don't have a lot of time to rest. So you quickly rest and then boom, you're back on the ice and you're engaged. You're not, you know, sitting in the outfield, you know, waiting. You're not, you know, having a, a whistle every five seconds to, to reset or anything like that. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of kids and, and even a lot of parents just enjoy hockey so much because it's just go, go, go all the time and and uh that's what makes it so exciting oh with you i was a good baseball player i played first base and pitched some but it was i remember as i started to get better at baseball you'd have to go take batting practice and stand around and wait you play in the field you stand around and wait unless you were pitching or hitting you had momentary things when you're playing first base someone will hit something at you you gotta catch a ball from your infielders but other than that I, hockey ruined baseball for me i i stopped playing baseball at really the height of my baseball career as a, you know, 16 year old who was, uh, you know, MVP of the league for a couple of years. It just, I couldn't do it anymore. Spring, I was able to drive and play spring hockey. And that was it for me for baseball. As soon as I got my license, I started driving to Cleveland and playing in a spring league up there just because that's what I wanted to do. Um, you touched upon, 
grown up in Canada a little bit, but let's dive a little deeper into that. Talk about uh, exactly where you're from and your experience growing up playing youth hockey with your brothers. Yeah, so uh, both my brothers and I, uh, we grew up in a, a really small town in rural Saskatchewan called Duval. And uh, I always tell people, yeah, it's about 100 people. And they're like, oh, that's not bad, 100,000. And I'm like, no, 100 and probably 85 around this point, um, you know, like in 2020, they're probably around 85, 90 people. And they're like, come on. It's like, yeah, no. And, but we had a, we had a, we had a nice rink. We had a curling rink, you know, and, and basically we had the keys of the rink, but not only that, we also had a rink in our backyard, you know? So when we grew up, you know, kind of, uh, as kids, we, that's all we did. If we weren't playing, you know, at the rink for games or practices, we were at the rink, you know, just messing around playing shinny. And if we weren't, you know, there at the rink doing that, we were probably at home on our outdoor rink skating around and if we weren't doing that, we were probably inside either in the basement or, or in the hallway playing knee hockey. Like it was just hockey all the time. And, um, you know, I remember growing up, uh, my brother, who's five years older than me, uh, they, they were on a, I think that back then it was like all odd years. So it was like nine and under and, uh, they needed an extra player. And my dad thought it'd be funny to throw a three-year-old out there on their nine and under team and. You know, I'm skating around and the, the jersey's like down to my knees and and kind of I guess the joke was on him because once he got me on the ice, he wasn't getting me off. Like I already knew how to skate and stuff, but, uh, but uh, once once that stick went in my hands and I was in a game, you know, that's just kind of where it all started. And yeah, we that's all we did. You know, we just walked walked to the rink. You know, you throw your stick over your shoulders with your skates and probably had your helmet on so you did could wear your mitts and um trudge through the snow and just skate until your mom and dad kicked you off the ice and it's it just seems like all we did in the winter time um but it wasn't you know it wasn't forced on us uh, my dad never played hockey he 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 enjoyed the sport he loved loved the sport of hockey but he never grew up playing it as a kid uh, but it's just something that you know again everyone kind of did and and he saw our love and passion for the game and, and our parents just did whatever they could to, you know, help us just enjoy it, you know? So whether it's go driving to practices or, or doing, getting us to games or whatever, they, they just knew we enjoyed it so much. And um, so that's kind of where we started and, you know, hockey's, hockey's crazy. It'll, it'll take you all over the world and um, just gives you so much joy and, and, and fun and, um, yeah, it's, it's different, you know, when you're from a town of a hundred people and then all of a sudden, you know, almost 35 years later, you're living in South Texas, you know, teaching kids how to play hockey. And there's definitely a universality to youth hockey specifically. It can be where you're from in Saskatchewan. It can be El Paso. It can be Tucson. It can be the Czech Republic. You go into a hockey rink you don't know where you're at. It's the same. It's the same types of things going on. It's the same types of looks in the eyes of the kids as they start playing hockey. And that's the great thing about hockey is it has that worldwide universal feeling, especially at the youth level. These kids are learning skills the same way. They're enjoying it the same way. And whether it's a place like Saskatchewan or El Paso, 
that's what that's why you know we do it and uh, i know you and i have talked about it before you know that's why we coach youth hockey that's why we give back that was that was us and now we do what we can to provide that for the next generation no 100 percent. And, and again you know hockey's and even just youth sports in general it, it's just a way to open up so many doors and you know for me personally you know with my brother being five years older than me, I got to watch him go through the the AAA process. I got to watch him go through the junior A process in Canada. And I remember being in seventh grade. um, My mom tells me this story all the time because uh, she had a a parent teacher conference with my seventh grade teacher. And uh, the teacher goes, yeah, Tom's really, really excited about hockey and and getting a scholarship and, and such. And she, my mom's like, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, Corey's playing playing junior, and he, he kind of understands, like, hey, like, you can continue your hockey career with, with school kind of thing. And uh, I don't, to this day, I don't really remember telling my teacher that, but my mom reminds me of that all the time. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough to to get a NCAA Division One scholarship in Alaska, and, and after that happened, my mom – would tell me that story all the time. And it was just kind of like one of those things where, you know, I, I, I didn't enjoy school so much, I, but I understood, you know, the importance of school. I understood the importance of good grades and, and stuff like that, you know, but if I had an opportunity to get out of school, whether it's because you know, it was harvest season and we were combining and it was, you know, seeding season and my dad needed help on the farm, you know, like call me up at school, like I'll leave you know, excused absence kind of thing. And, uh, but again, I, I just understood like, you know, if the better grades I got, the more doors would open for, for an opportunity for a scholarship. And, you know, when you compare two hockey players and, you know, they're pretty even on the, on the, the scouting sheet and you're, you know, it's a college and they're looking at your grades and one, one guy's got a really good GPA or, or percentage and the other kid, not so much, you know, it's a it's a pretty easy decision um, as far as that goes. So yeah, it's uh, talk about opening doors, and then you know, just again, you you get to become an adult, and it's like you know, how do I give back? Because you know, I owe a lot of my life to hockey, and and if now if I can just you know, again, put a smile on a kid's face because teaching them how to skate for the first time, you know, sign me up. Yeah. And- Talk about your hockey career a little bit, because you you've been a lot of places playing hockey. Yeah, um, again, starting out, you know, as a little guy, you know, playing for like we even had our own youth association, a town of a hundred people. Obviously, a lot of farm kids. Um, we had our youth own a youth association, and then the town right next to us, uh, a little bigger, um, it was called Strasburg, and um, you know, we had. Uh, some of our youth coaches had played in the NHL with like Tiger Williams and stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, obviously when you're that young, you, you don't understand. Um, one of my good friends growing up, Nick Schultz played for the, for the Minnesota wild for forever. Um, and then with the Oilers and uh, blue jackets and flyers, but you know, again, small town of like 900,000 people, you know, um, playing through there and, and, uh, you know, was able to get picked up by a triple A midget program. And then, um, again, just kind of how things played out, ended up playing two years of junior A way up in 
for the Opaskwara Cree Nation at OCM Blizzard. Um, was fortunate enough to play with uh, Jordan Tutu there. Um, and then, yeah, it was, that's when kind of the, the whole scholarship thing uh, started. And, you know, there wasn't really much for, for internet or anything like that. You're getting a lot of letters and, you know, trying to sift through those. And um, was fortunate enough to, to get offered a scholarship at Alaska Fairbanks. Went up there, played four years, and, you know, it, that was just awesome you know i love my time up in in alaska i i joke with my wife all the time if if i were to ever move from from el paso i think that would be one of my top places to to move back to um and then you know after after graduating college you know i wasn't ready to to be done and um again one of my kind of goals and growing up as a kid was to always go to europe and again fortunate enough to play four years in germany and you know, during my time uh, in Alaska, that's when uh, my brother had moved down to El Paso and he played a year for the Buzzards and, and then started uh, working front office and really started devoting a lot of time to the youth program and, and uh, getting the EPHA going in 2001. Um, because our hockey pass took us in so many different directions, you know, I, I started coming down to visit in the summertime and um it just seemed like even in college, my, my summer stay just became longer and longer down here in El Paso. And then um, even when I was playing in Germany, you know, after the season was over before I'd go and see, you know, family and friends in Canada or Alaska, I'd, I'd fly to El Paso first. Cause you know, he was having an adult tournament, you know, just, just a reason to come down. Right. And then, uh, um, you know, when the rhinos, uh, when the, the discussion of the bringing the rhinos here, you know, um, I wasn't ready to be done playing yet, but, you know, again, I, I'd come down in the summers and whether it's going to showcases to scout or, you know, helping get the, getting the rink ready or whatever it was, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, let, let's figure this out. And, um, yeah, then ended up meeting my wife here. And, um, so when it's time to, to pack up shop playing, you know, it was just such an easy transition to, to come back to El Paso and um, stay in the hockey world and, and can continue to work with, with hockey players and, and not leave the game I love so much. And it's an interesting story that you and your brothers have about all finding your way to El Paso. And you, you talked about that some. Uh, talk about some of the decision making. Uh, you touched on it a little bit about when your brother asks you or however it came about to really come to El Paso, start the junior team, start a career in hockey. Talk about kind of what your thought process was, if you had other options that you were thinking about, but what was it about hockey and a career in hockey that drew you in and led you to the ultimate decision? Well, that's, you know, growing up, like as a hockey player, I kind of realized soon or not, not early, but I, I, I realized that, you know, the NHL, obviously that's everyone's dream. I knew that was going to be a stretch, but at the same time is, is one of those things where, you know, if I can play as hockey, as long as I could, I'm going to do that. And, and life outside of hockey was really not uh, something I really considered, you know, not, not uh, you know, we grew up as a farming family and, and as much as I enjoyed helping my my dad and my grandfather farm and, and stuff like that it wasn't just something I saw myself doing I, I really didn't see myself you know wearing a suit and tie to work every day um 
And, and so it's always kind of like one of those things where, you know, I'm just going to ride the train of hockey as long as I can and, and see where it takes me. And, and again, you know, being kind of younger and, and maybe a little bit naive or, or just, um, you know, kind of with the blinders on, even, even getting my college scholarship, you know, it's kind of like I'm going there for hockey. And I wasn't thinking of the school aspect as much. Again, I knew how important grades were because at that point, like if you don't pass, you're not, you're losing your scholarship. So that was obviously a, a, a major thing to, to be motivated for school. But, you know, I graduated with a business degree and I'm, I'm very proud of that, but it was never something where I was looking, you know, 10, 15 years down the road is like, okay, um, I'm a senior this year. What are my options next for hockey? And, and even while I was in Germany playing, it was like, okay, where, you know, how, how can I, further my hockey career and then um i remember you know i think it was like my f after my first year in germany my brother called me and uh he had a, a a job opening not not from him but he he had heard heard of a job opening up um i think it was in laredo or lubbock or somewhere and, and he's like hey i these guys need somebody to run their hockey program and at that time i was you know, summering it up in Alaska with my buddies. I'm on the golf course taking a phone call. I'm like, not a chance, man. Like, I'm so playing. I'm going to play until my, the wheels fall off. And then, uh, you know, again, kind of coming down and helping him year after year in the summertime. Um, and, you know, the rhinos were already here. And uh, my wife was uh, visiting me over Christmas uh, in Germany. And my brother happened to call me. He's like, look, I, I need some help. Um, Dave and I, Dave's my other brother. He was down here helping Corey. He's like, we're, we're up to our eyeballs. Like we're, this, this is really taken off. You know, it's always going to be a family thing. And, you know, we, we need somebody to help run the youth program. It's yours. If you want it, if not, you know, we're going to have to find somebody. And, and I looked at my wife and um, I was like, I think, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm ready, you know, after the season, I think I'm ready to kind of move on to the next chapter and, you know, she was, uh, obviously she's from El Paso here. So, you know, uh, moving, moving full time to El Paso was, uh, you know, exciting for both of us. And again, just kind of a new chapter. So it's, yeah, it's crazy how, you know, everything moves in a circle, but, um, you know, it takes you to <laughs> all places of the earth, but, you know, it, sometimes you just find your way home. And Talk about those first couple of years you had in El Paso and about how the junior team grew and how the youth organization grew and the traction you started to see around town with the team. Yeah. So when I first moved here, um, the, the, the might program or, or development program, uh, I think there was only like six kids from eight and under that were signed up to learn how to play hockey, you know, and, and, uh, we had uh, teams that, you know, basically are considered house teams, but they traveled just because, you know, there's one sheet of ice in El Paso and the, the nearest one is, is close to four hours away. You know, Tucson's one of the closest rinks to us, Albuquerque, Odessa. You know, so our kids have, have to travel a lot and, and that's a lot for our parents. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, okay, we have a, you know, a, a big group of, of kids, um, you know, eight and up. But from eight years and younger, younger um, and every hockey director and, and 
anyone that is part of a youth program know like your your eight and unders is your foundation you know that's where you need you know so many kids just to to build because as you know kids grow up they're they're either they're going to move away they, they might lose interest they might get interested in other sports or other things and you know you need that foundation so um one of the biggest things we did was you know join up with a with a couple different community programs here to to grow our our uh, learn to play and you know over the last few years you know we've been putting you know a couple hundred kids through our our learn to play programs every year and and just to have that grow so much um, has really helped our our travel programs and and such so um you know again before i got here you know kids were obviously learning how to play and 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 going through the program but now we just have you know a lot more kids going through it and you know for the most part we we can feel full teams and you know stuff like that where when i first got here we had six seven kids on a team and we're looking you know other places for kids to to join our teams because we wanted to play in a league and um yeah it's, it's kind of like the bad news bears you know kind of kind of set up at, at the start but you know again credit to the the parents and the kids and everyone that the, all the volunteers you know to to help kind of turn it around and and again you know just kind of spreading the word of hockey and how much you know fun and enjoyment it is because again like our, our program's growing a lot and, um a lot of credit goes goes to them and it really is an approach of one kid at a time i know that's how we take it down here it's the well el paso much like tucson you'll have transplants from more traditional hockey cities and then you have the ancillary effect of you have those kids playing, but then they go to school with kids who are then interested. And especially with you guys in the junior team, once people started coming to junior games and the atmosphere and how much they enjoy live hockey, which to me, I, I know I'm biased, but to me, live hockey is the best sport to watch by far. And then having interest that way of people coming to games and saying, okay, I want, I want to sign my kids up to play hockey. Talk about what you saw that as the junior team started to take hold and help to fill the junior hockey ranks and the youth hockey ranks. Yeah, it's it's so different, <laughs> you know, down down here. Um, we always kind of joke that, like, during the game, like, we have to make sure we put on a good show where, you know, I remember growing up in Canada and, and the rink I kind of grew up playing in in Strasbourg, there was this one area where, there was like five or six grandpas that would always sit and my grandfather was one of them and, you know, kind of his friends and they always sat there with a cup of coffee and they just talked all day and just watched hockey. Like there was no, it didn't matter what age group was on. You know, we had senior hockey, which is kind of foreign to down here, but um, is kind of, you know, if you didn't have a junior team, you kind of had a senior team and, and, you know, it was full contact fighting everything and, you know, ranks would get packed for it, but there was no, quote unquote show like there was no um intermission games and intermission contests and stuff like that like people just went for the for just the game and like you said it's it's probably the most exciting live action game that you can go see and uh but you know for for a non-traditional hockey market where you don't have um you know players players here are, are first generation hockey players their parents don't you know, always know what, what's really going on. And um, so when they come to a Rhinos game and they, they experience the, the show, 
you know, like all the different things that are going on, like that's the grab. And then all of a sudden, you know, the more they come, the more they learn about hockey. And then now all of a sudden when you're, you're walking through the stands and, and stuff like that, they're talking hockey to you, not talking about like, Hey, can I, uh, participate in the, the the intermission game they're talking about like hey coach what's wrong with the, the power player what <laughs> you know that type of stuff they're like i, I think you got to change up the forecheck you know now they're talking hockey to you versus like hey uh you know i noticed uh, during the light show before the game the uh the smoke sh- machine wasn't working correctly you know it's just kind of kind of different and you know it's it's a learning process for all of us but um definitely the again you know having a winning junior program has has helped fill the seats and sustain that and and just grown hockey so much just just because people, again like people come they watch it they see it and whether it's an adult or or they're for their kid they're like i want to play now and um you know again and even just doing like you talked about before like the the skate with the rhinos after the game you know so many people are just excited to, to skate with those guys and you know, again, they learn how to skate. They learn, you know, those little things. And they're like, you know what, sign me up for hockey. I, I know as a youth coach, the best compliment I always get are from the newer parents we have who don't know hockey, who have participated in our learn to play programs over the years. And they say, I don't know anything about hockey, but I bring my kid there. <laughs> they enjoy it. I pick them up afterwards. I give them a juice box and a granola bar. And then they go to sleep when they get home. And yeah. that's, the, that's the best compliment I've, I think I've ever gotten. No. And that, you know, when we, uh, when we start all our, our learn to play programs, you know, we, we always have a, a parent meeting. It's like, okay, you know, little Joey is going to fall. He's going to get hurt, but he's padded. And as soon as he gets over that fear of falling and that he's not going to get hurt because of all that equipment, he's going to be okay. And, you know, after the first or, after the second or third time, it's not going to be a chore to get them to the rink. Sometimes, you know, they're going to be wanting to come. And I said, but at the end of the day, like our job as, as coaches, if they can come off, you know, and go through the high five line with all the coaches and the rhinos, you know, helping out, if they can come through that high five line and step off the ice with a smile on her face, on their face, we did our jobs. And, you know, as, as parents, that's what you guys have to think about too. Like, you know, and, and sure enough, like those kids have a blast and then all of a sudden, you know, you get hooked and yeah, it's, it's a game changer. Um, and then, yeah, parents are like, man, my kid's so tired. By the time we get home, I'm like lifting them up, carrying them to bed and it's, it's, uh, lights out. Yeah. And no, it's funny how the parents kind of gravitate toward learning hockey. And I, my, my mother was a prime example. She grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, which is all about football and other sports too, baseball, boxing. My father was from the Buffalo area. And then she didn't know anything about hockey when my brother and I started, but we get the Pittsburgh channels in Youngstown. And that's when the Penguins were really good. And as she started watching us play, she got to into the Penguins. And now she is the most rabid Penguins fan. I know <laughs> one of the happiest days of her life is when they traded Olimata. She was, n- he was not her favorite player, but no, I mean the parents, the parents, they do learn. And when you, when you spend enough time at the rink like they will over the years they get to learn the game too and that helps the spread in places like el paso and tucson no 100 percent. And, and it's funny because you mentioned your mom like my mom grew up in the city so you know she didn't have any brothers so hockey you know wasn't really on her radar and, and uh 
you know, but man, she sat, she would always sit out and watch every single practice that me and my brothers were part of every single game. And, and, you know, even when she, she comes to the Rhino games, like she, she's got her, her special seat and, you know, like now, um, my nieces and nephew play and, and, you know, she's at every single game that she can be. She loves, loves hockey now. She just loves, you know, obviously supporting her kids and her grandkids and stuff. And, but, uh, she, she's not afraid to cheer for both teams that she just wants everyone to have a, have a great time. And I think, you know, that really grew on me and, and my brother just being like, you know, our mom hasn't, you know, grew up with no hockey but she just wants everyone to have a good time. And that, that just sums all of it up. Like, you know, hockey's about that. It's not about making the NHL. Like, obviously that's everyone's goal, but you know, if you, you learn so many life lessons in, in sport and especially hockey that, you know, I think that's what one thing I, I learned from my mom pretty quick. Definitely. And kind of going back to a little bit, what I wanted to talk about, and I don't like to say it this way, but still the business aspect of hockey, especially for you guys is running a junior team. Now, one thing you alluded to earlier was a winning program. And I remember that's something I've heard from the Coyotes out here when they had not this recent change of ownership, even though they do, everybody talks about winning, but the last change of ownership talked about you have to put on a winning program. When there were talks here about where the rink should be in Phoenix, where the arena should be, and it should be here, it should be there. The CEO at the time said, you know, you have to win. If we win, they'll come find us and they'll come fill the building. So talk about how your success on the ice helped translate into a successful business as a junior program that's now let you expand into a second junior league and then getting into the tier of the NAHL league. Yeah, you know, again, like uh, with my brother playing for the Buzzards, he he saw a lot of just – you know, just the, the community support, you know, when, when he first got here, the, the buzzards were, were a force, you know, they, they had won back-to-back championships a, a year or so before that. Um, and he, the reason he came down here was like, because of the, the amount of support and the amount of like, just amount of fans and sellouts and stuff like that. So that was kind of like his draw to come down to play here. And as the, as he, was part of the buzzard program not so much as a player but just even front office and kind of saw the decline on the ice and, and then obviously some ownership changes and stuff like that you know you could kind of see the decline of, of support because of the program not winning and so that's when he kind of started focusing on the, the minor hockey aspect and, and the hockey association and building that and or starting and, and building that um and when it got to the point of, of bringing a junior team in, and again, I remember sitting in Germany and when he called and he's like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, yeah, this, this sounds awesome. Like, you know, let's do this. And uh, he's like, but we need to win. And so, you know, again, you, you surround yourself with a, with a great staff. You, you surround yourself, you know, and, and with, with good people and, you know, winnings, winnings. Yeah, it, it's important, but it's that that culture um, that you need to create. Like it, it, people talk about a winning culture, and, and it could mean several different things. But it, it comes down to you know, kind of what, what what you're about as a hockey program. We always talk about it, you know, like a blue collar lunch lunch kit 
you know, lunch pail type program where, you know, when you're coming into the rank, you're coming into work, you're going to work your butt off and, and you, you earn what you get, you know, and when you have um, that type of culture of, of guys knowing that they're going to have to work really hard, um, you know, that second half of the season, that, that those playoff runs, that's where you see the, see all the guys kind of click and be like, okay, this is what it means. You know, this is why we, you know, put so much time on in the, on the ice and, and in the weight room, because when it all comes down to it, we know we can beat these guys because we're going to outwork them. We might not be the most talented, but we're going to outwork them and we're going to grind them down and we're going to, you know, um, put everything out on the ice because they've, they've been doing it all year long, just in practice, you know, and, and again, you know, uh, Corey and I had similar coaches, if not the same coaches growing up, um, with different teams and stuff like that. And, and we've even talked about that, you know, um, going down memory lane about like, Hey, this coach did this. And like, man, that really stuck with us and, and really taught us a lot, you know, as men now, um, like realizing like, you know, community sports big. Why? Well, if the community doesn't support you or if you don't support the community, the community is not going to support you. And then not only that, you know, um, just like, man, I can't, uh, that coach used to ride us all the time or, or like, you know, just doing little things in practice, like, oh, come on coach, like leave me alone kind of thing. But then at the end of the day, you know, if you don't stop in front of the net, like, you know, or, or you, you peel off or, or stuff like that. And they, they ride you and it's like, come on coaches practice. It's like, well, no, you, you practice how you play. And, um, you know, you, once you teach kids and players that and instill that, that type of, culture where everyone buys in then that's when you you get to that winning program um type status what regardless if you win or lose a championship that's not all, always what winning's about right it's but when you can get that to that culture where you know if you're going to put on a rhino's jersey you know what you're getting yourself into i i think that's where you know that that culture you've won at that point and culture is a word that comes up a lot, but it's something I've discussed now with you as a successful junior program. I talked about it a lot with Rocky Russo, who's had a very successful run in coaching and in the NHL. And again, it's, I liken it to kind of the trunk of the tree in that that's your hockey culture. That's everybody's base. You know, the branches will grow out in different ways and different directions look different, but really that's the foundation is when you can establish what it's like and give the consistency of that kind of culture that kids start from every day and every time they put on that Jersey. And, um, just to, I guess, pivot a little bit in talking about your role as a, a coach on a junior team, what are some of the things you're looking at when you're evaluating players, when you're scouting, when you're going to the camps, when you have kids come in and try out? Uh, it's just uh, kind of like, the little things, right? Like it's easy, easy to pick out the the highly skilled players, you know, like because everyone's looking at them. Um, but at, at the same time, like you know, you always hear NHL coaches or or players or, or scouts, you know, talk about the little things or, or the intangibles and, and stuff like that. Like you know, sometimes not it's not the fastest skater that's going to turn your head. 
Um, but it's the, the smartest player or the, the player that, you know, just works hard um, and does just little things. Like, again, stopping in front of the net, stopping in the front of the net with your stick on the ice, stopping in front of the net the correct way where, you know, you're facing the play or, or versus not facing the play. Um, you know, players that, that don't cut corners or, or back check, um, you know, just little things like that where, you know, again, where as a player and, 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 you know, younger, younger me where, you know, I'd look back and be like, Oh, you know, it's just practice or whatever. Um, no, those are the things that, that coaches look at, um, whether it's a warm up drill, like do you go in the front of the line or the back of the line? Um, just, just little things like that. Like you, you, you start to learn a lot about a, a player or just their, their competitiveness. Um, you know, if they don't give up on pucks, um, just things like that. And, and one thing I, I tell our youth kids all the time is, you know, I don't care if it's a warm up drill for, for a game or a practice, when you shoot the puck, shoot the puck, you know, obviously you don't want to be ringing them off your, your goalie's head and stuff like that, but, that doesn't mean you can't shoot it hard, you know, or hit the net. And, you know, all those times you get to shoot the puck in practice, you might only get to actually shoot it 20 or 30 times in practice. So why not shoot it as hard as you can and get it on net? You know, because during a game, you might only get three opportunities to shoot the puck. And, you know, that's where just those little things where when you are scouting and stuff like that, you you look at that, those just those little things because you know when they do come to your camp or your team, they're going to bring that with them. I agree. And uh, you know, I'm not anywhere near a hockey expert. I, uh, I, I didn't have a storied hockey career, but the things I've noticed now in seeing kids and watching junior hockey and some of the underrated skills that I talk about, like you talk about the little things, especially skill wise is, and the shooting's a good one. It's some kids like to just kind of sail the puck to the top corner when they're just, you know, shooting in warm ups or just doing stick and puck. But who's out there working to try and get that shot that's still rising on its way to the crossbar, almost like you're trying to shoot it under the crossbar through that top netting? Who can catch a pass cleanly on their backhand without having to break stride? Th- those those little things like that are things I've started to notice as I've started to coach more and more hockey. Uh, in my lifetime and, and, and going to a couple junior camps myself and watching my brother go to junior camps. I remember it's, it's those little things I think that made impressions on coaches and, um, talking about when you're putting together your roster and those little things, are those also some things you notice when you, you know, you go to a camp, you're working on skills, but then you divvy them up and you let them play five on five. Are those some of the things you're looking for more so than kind of your overt skill level where you have a kid who can pull the puck on a string, but that might not be as useful day in, day out, game in, game out as some of the other things you're looking for. Yeah, no, again, and and that's where, you know, the, the, like skills are great. You know, like obviously you need skill to play hockey and like the, the higher up you get, the more skilled guys are. But at the same time, you know, a, a, a guy might try a toe drag five times and he might only successfully do it twice. Okay. So 
those two times, everything looked great. But those three other times when he was unsuccessful, what did he do? Or he or she, honestly. But, like, what did they do? Did they drop their head and their shoulders and smack their stick on the ice? Or did they, you know, drop their head and turn around, stop, turn around and, and back check and break up the play? Or, you know, again, or did they, you know, those three times just drop their shoulders, go to the bench and change or drop their shoulders, not back check and, you know, feel sorry for themselves. You know, those are the, you know, like, again, the toe drags look great. The the goals look great, but it's kind of like, okay, when you're not successful or, or when you tried something that didn't work, what, what how did you recover? You know, what did you do to, to make up for, you know, those types of things. That's, again, that's where, you know, when you're, when you're scouting or coaching or anything like that, or even watching, you know, your, your own players, you know, those are the things you're, you're trying to instill in them and say, like, you know, nobody's ever going to play a perfect game. You're always going to make mistakes. How do you recover from those mistakes? You know, how do you minimize those mistakes and how do you learn from those mistakes? So to me, those are just as important as, you know, being able to, skate really fast and have a really hard shot and, and being able to toe drag somebody. It's, it's like, what, what's going to happen when you finally do make a mistake? Cause there's no, there's no such thing as a, a perfect game. And when you talk about mental toughness, no bigger test of mental toughness than a hockey goalie. And you, <laughs> you've had, well, you've had, you've had great success with goalies there. You had a goalie in Adam Vay who ended up signing with the Minnesota wild. So mm-hmm. talk about some of the things you're looking for in goaltenders and what you try and instill in your goaltenders that you have in your program. Uh, again, you know, go- goalies are tough f- for me, especially because, you know, I-, I was always on the opposite side. Um, and, and so jokingly, I always tell the goalie, like, look, I'm not going to tell you how to play. I just want you to stop the puck. And, but with that being said, you know, obviously it, you can tell when a goalie's on his angles or off his angles. Um, you know, obviously goaltending's got a lot more structured compared to the old Dominic Hasek days. Um, so, you know, you want, you want to see a goalie that's in control, that, that, that's moving, fluid you know and and doesn't look like they're scrambling all the time or or you know that can control their rebounds or not only just control the rebounds but where they're putting their rebounds um into the corner and and stuff like that and then you know again you know not all goalies are are as pretty as others but at the end of the day it does come down to to stopping the puck and it's just that kind of that compete level um you know how how hard do they work um, when there is a rebound or, uh, you know, a deflection or, or anything like that, like how, how hard are they competing for those pucks or are they just, you know, kind of giving up? And, um, again, you kind of want to see, like, especially for a goalie, cause you know, everyone says goalies are weird and, and stuff like that, but you know, they're the last line of defense. So you, you want to see that confidence, um, in them on the ice and, and a little bit of that swagger. Um, because you know, like if they have that, you know, they, they, they're confident in themselves and their abilities. So, um, again, uh, my, my biggest thing, you know, is, is body language though, too. Um, 
you know, whether it's a, a forward defenseman or, or goalie. Um, and that I think that kind of comes with, with confidence too. Like if you have good, good body language, when you make a mistake, I, I feel like you're confident in your abilities and you're, you're, you're mentally tough where, um, normally if you have bad body language and you're smacking your stick on the ice, you know, you're not always, um, confident in your abilities and, and, you know, that mental toughness might not be there. I agree. And, uh, something I always try and tell, even, even at the youngest levels, it's the answer is always keep going. Something good happens. Great. Keep going. Something bad happens. Don't worry about it. Shake it. Keep going. And uh, so one thing we try and do here, we haven't had many episodes, but I like to try and end talking about a good youth hockey memory. So I want you to go back in your mental archives here, even like the pre-junior days. What's a good memory or something that sticks out when I ask the question about a good memory that you have playing youth hockey coming up in Saskatchewan? Ah, man. Um, Honestly, when, when I think of of growing up playing hockey um probably two or three things pop into my mind um one is is just playing shinny you know um it it really didn't matter what rink you were at it didn't really matter if they're your own skates or your stick but if you showed up to an outdoor rink or or any rink and there was you know possibility of a game like everyone just figured it out um, back then nobody seemed to wear helmets. So that was one last thing we had to worry about. Um, but it was kind of like, you, you just played pickup, you played shinny and, and, you know, we had a, an outdoor rink in our, in our town. Um, my one buddy and I, we used to play all night. Like we would go and there's one street light that, that shone, uh, like shined on the ice and we'd play for hours. And that's when there was no board. So you shoot the puck and it goes in the, if you miss the net, it went into the snowbank and you, the hole was there, but the puck was never there. So come summertime, you'd find 50 pucks around the rink because, you know, the snow finally melted. But that, to me, that, that was kind of like just the, the pure, pure joy, joy of hockey. And, um, you know, kind of growing up and, and moving away, um, you know, and, and just growing up at such a young age, I, I think that like hockey and the whole billet, program and stuff like that i think that's kind of a a really neat experience because you know you're taking you know young men and you're putting them or taking them out of their their homes and and putting them in kind of different situations and and you know now you're relying on your teammates and i think you grow up so much just because of that um you know and then you know obviously like the 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 neatest thing from playing triple A and junior and, and whatever else, you know, everyone would go home at Christmas time. And again, you know, everyone would meet at the rink at whatever time we could get ice and we would just play shinny. And, you know, that was like everyone, wherever you're at, or, you know, you, you just, just that, that pickup game where nothing mattered, but everyone, <laughs> everyone kind of tried their hardest because nobody wanted to lose. But I think those are the memories I have the most. Um, of playing with, you know, players that are five years younger or five years older than me, or even when I was eight years old playing against adults just for pickup hockey. Like it was just, everyone was out there just cause they want, they love playing hockey and they just wanted to play. And, um, you know, 
won a lot of hockey games, lost a lot of hockey games, you know, but those are the kind of things that I think about um, more than, you know, oh, that one game where I scored two goals or three goals or I did this or did that or our team won this or our team won that. Um, those are all great, but I think just just those those times being able to just skate with your buddies or people you didn't even know and just, just sharing the love of hockey. And, um, you know, again, I, I kind of <laughs> – uh, listen to you and Rocky's um, podcast. And, and I think the one thing that um, I've enjoyed the most, even, you know, I, my three daughters all play hockey and uh, there's a, there's a town in New Mexico called Los Alamos and they have an outdoor rink. And if there's ever an opportunity that I can take them to go skate on an outdoor rink, I, I, I do it just because again, it's, it's, it's so different. It's, it's such a unique, um, experience. And like, for me, it just, it just rehashes all those memories and just takes me down a memory lane and like, just reminds me why I do what I do now is just, uh, just again, for that, that pure love and enjoyment of hockey. Well said. And uh, outdoor is something I still miss, uh, all the time, especially in hockey season. And Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations on the Hockeyville, and it's definitely well-earned. Good luck in the near future here with the junior teams and the youth program, and hopefully uh, our kids will be skating together, and I'll see you around here real soon. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, thanks again for having me on. It, it was uh, That was a really fast hour. <laughs> it went it, by it, quick. It does, and it's a lot of fun. And then you look, and it's like, oh man, yeah, we've now been recording for an hour and one minute. So yeah, no, that's that's a lot of fun. I, I I appreciate you having me on. All right, thanks again to Tom Herman. He is the youth hockey director for the El Paso Rhinos, also a coach on the El Paso Rhinos junior teams. That is episode five. We'll work on the next episode. I don't have a guest lined up yet, but we're working on it. So I'll see you again real soon.